ST-321, code clearance blue. We're starting our approach to deactivate the security shield. Hi, I'm Paul and I'm with my mate James and welcome to Code Clearance Blue, a show where we discuss all things Star Wars from our home here in the UK. We would be honoured if you would join us. I've been looking forward to this. Well, thank the maker. It's so good to see you all fully functional again. It's been a while, but we're back in the house. Code Clearance Blue coming at you. Creeping up towards the 50 episode mark. We're almost there. Me and Paolo are very excited. We might get some sort of uh, party, maybe rent out a venue and invite all 14 of you to listen, maybe. Across the world, though. What's that? Across the globe. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not paying air. I think, I think we're up to we're, we're up to about 40 now, so that's good. That's not take bad, that. is it? Yeah, take that. Not bad. Yeah, sorry we've been away for a bit, folks. Uh, life just got in the way, doing bits and pieces, but... Uh, we're back with a new episode and we've got a very special guest for you as well who's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes but um just before we get to that um Paolo, i don't know if you noticed this but i saw a very f- intriguing interview with ian mcdermott today all right and well, i haven't seen it no have you not no the, the fanboy, today. yeah fanboy expo in orlando um but what made it so intriguing was it was during the writer strike and Mr. McDermott took the the vow of solidarity. And he basically, when he's been doing autograph sessions and stuff recently, he's been doing no character names, no quotes, all that sort of thing, literally just signing his name um, because he didn't want to do any promotion of um, any feature films or TV shows, et cetera, that may be affected by the strike. Um, so basically he got on stage and the he sort of looked at the compare and said to her you're gonna have to let everyone know what the situation is and she went yeah so people can't really ask any direct questions about star wars um we could talk about candy corn things like that he was like i've got very strong opinions on candy corn (laughs) and um so anyway they did it was a really great interview because for me personally because i love him as an actor um and they went loads of his theater stuff and like directing and all that Mm. But then they were like, right, let's go for our first fan question. And they took the microphone down, down to the floor. <laughs> and the guy was like, so what was the most challenging thing about playing <laughs> and how did you overcome it? And the, and even looking at the compare, kind of really quizzical, looking at her. And she was like, I don't believe I've ever heard of that character before. <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and he was like, you're going to have to rephrase the question somewhat. And the guy was like, uh... Uh, and she went, uh, what's the most fun part about playing a villain? And he went, yes, that will do. Right. So. <laughs> da, 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 da. Right. Okay. They got around it was that crazy. Way. It was crazy. He was like, charm's a big thing when you play a villain. And there's a movie I made where charm helped an awful lot to get another guy to become a villain. <laughs> and everyone went. <laughs> oh, wow. That is very difficult. I know. Imagine that, though. Just like, mm. no, I'm never. I'm not talking about any film or show that I've ever been in. It's like, okay, um, thanks very much for coming. Good stuff. Brilliant. <laughs> it was good. Check it out. It's on YouTube if you're interested in seeing it. Just Google um, Fanboy Expo Orlando 2023 Ian McDermott. It'll pop up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, anyway, it was good to see him out there. It was good to learn a bit more about his other acting and directing. That was cool. Um, but let's move on to our special guest. He's been on the show before. 
So he must be a glutton for punishment. He's back again. He uh, writes for uh, Star Wars Insider, and he's also a main man over at Fanfa Tracks. We'd like to welcome Mark Newbold back. Mark, how are you? I'm very well, but I need to let you guys know that I will only answer questions in correspondence with the uh, with the now <laughs> defunct, but kind of in my heart, ongoing actor strike. So I can't mention that <laughs> thing, but I'll give you as many answers as I possibly can. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's thank you. So candy corn. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> now, what exactly is candy corn? I'm not too sure, actually. I have no idea, but I'm intrigued now. I want to try it. And has he got any connection to to that thing we can't talk about? (laughs) Well, to be fair, there's there's going to be a glut of new Star Wars material coming out now that the uh, the writer's strike and uh, it seems to be over, and and the actor's strike is is getting that way. I think uh, Paolo and myself are quite excited about what the future may hold. In in your position, Mark, obviously, you might have a slightly more on the inside track is there we saw daisy Ridley came out recently and said a few bits about her potential new film etc what what have you heard on the grapevine nothing other than or nothing that's not sort of kind of out there anyway that that uh it's very very early doors and as with any especially big project like a star wars project i i and this is this is assumption now that you know they're in pre-production mode and they're just getting all that sort of stuff started I think we'd all heard little whispers that it was all going to start ramping up in December as long as the strike was over. But of course we're practically Mm. in December now and uh, we break up for Christmas in a couple of weeks. So uh, I would imagine things like Daisy's film um, and or season two, the little bits they need to finish on that. I would imagine it's all going to happen early next year, but yeah, it has kind of because I think because the writer's strike and the actor strike's been on all the normal scuttlebutt has kind of died down because the people who would I'm saying leak, you know, acquire that information have either been showing solidarity or have been, you know, getting part-time jobs at Tesco to pay the mortgage sort of thing. So uh, there's not mm. a huge amount of news out there other than uh, a lot of supposition. But I think from what's coming that we know of, um, I don't know which one's going to come first. My, my head tells me Bad Batch season three uh, will probably be the first thing to land at sort of around May the 4th. But wouldn't it be nice if if we did get something before then? I don't think we will. I can't see what it would be. Yeah. Yeah, because the Andor season two was sort of finished or like the principal sort of filming and stuff before, wasn't it? So it was very much in the post-production time, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think they've got a couple of weeks of, of stuff left to shoot because from what I understand yeah, with that issues. one, when they did season one, they got everybody <clears throat> everybody sort of signed up in in an organised manner so they could use this actor to do these stuff and that actor to do that stuff. And season two right. wasn't quite set up in the same way, so it was a little bit more... Um, I mean, it's all organised and done and everything's in hand, but I think it was a little bit more scattershot in that respect. So I don't know whether they've just got two weeks with these two guys or two weeks with everyone, <laughs> you know, I don't know where they are with that. And also sets. I mean, in, you know, in season one, yeah. they built that phenomenal Ferrick set, which yeah. was struck. So uh, I, I would imagine there's partial sets been built for season two. And, you know, I, they made a big deal about not using stagecraft, but I don't know whether the practicalities or the situation means they may have to use elements of that to, to get it all done. I, I don't know. So, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't a huge amount left, I don't think. So you'd like to think ILM will have been cracking on, Nicholas yeah. Mitzel will be scoring his music, the editors will have done their stuff, yeah. and it's, it is just dropping in those last few bits, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. 
and a bit of ADR. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that was the that was the case. But yeah, there might. I mean, it'd be quite interesting to see. Obviously, Disney, Netflix, and all these other guys just having this sort of barren three month period. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Where you know you're gonna have this. You know, obviously we're not gonna see it probably till like mid next year, really, or maybe even further further back, depending on where we were. But yeah, just gonna have these shows not gonna be on, you know, for a few months. Well, I think Marvel, Marvel already, holding back. Yeah, I was gonna say Marvel, I think had already come out and said initially, I think next year was uh Deadpool Three Thunder uh, yeah, Deadpool Three Brave New World, Captain America and Thunderbolts. And now it's mm. just Deadpool Three. So they've already pushed that back. Um which I think, given the current state of that particular franchise, is a smart thing. Get people hungry for it again. So just one film, yeah. maybe a couple of TV shows, will be excited again for Marvel. I'm, I'm always excited. I love it. But but other people have mm. cooled off on it a bit. And with Star Wars, I mean, I think we thought initially we would have had Skeleton Crew this month if things had have not been the way mm. they were. And so that's clearly put back, <coughs> excuse me, Acolyte, you know, I think that's in the can. So when that's coming out, that's probably going to be back end of next year. And, you know, I, I, I was mega fortunate to be on a round table with Favreau and he, he kind of unsolicited, unsolicited sort of said, Oh yeah, Mando season four is pretty much written, you know? So, so that's written whether or not they, or when they start filming, I don't know, but a lot of the actors have mm. been on, you know, um, threads and Instagram saying, can't wait to get back to it. So I don't know where we are with that. And there's all that stuff with Pedro, obviously he's yeah. the groomer of Reed <laughs> Richards and all the other stuff. So, but, but even he said, it's kind of just a voiceover role now. So you'd like to think, yeah. you know, a couple of, got gargle with some mouthwash and a couple of good hours in the, in the session booth and he can do it. So, uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a funny old situation at the moment where we are and no celebration next year. So we're not going to get any big, you know, overt Star Wars announcements. It'll be the Star Wars segment mm. at D23 or the Star Wars segment at San Diego mm. or wherever it may be. So you don't think um, potentially there's a case for maybe the at least the Acolyte to come out maybe spring or early summer next year, then you think it might be as much as next Christmas? I think, I think it's probably going to be later in the year because everything... Excuse me, I've got that stupid November cough started, so I, I do apologise. Oh, that's okay. That's all right, mate. It's nearly December. <laughs> it's that, yeah, it's that everything that, you know, the scuttlebutt is, you know, people start moaning and, and criticising things and they've seen nothing. Unless they're in the room and they saw that trailer, they've really seen nothing but a few behind-the-scenes photographs. And Disney and Lucasfilm were obviously putting a lot of time and effort into the whole Republic era with Young Jedi Adventures, all the books and comics that mm. they're pushing. So that's an era they mm. want to tell stories in. And the Acolyte comes mm. into that. Um, all the bits that I've heard from people who've either worked on it or are associated with people that have worked on it are all saying, I can't wait till people see this. It's going to blow people's mm. minds. So, so mm. from that sort of angle it's like well maybe they want to sit on this and really nail it and get the you know get it out at the right time because poor old ahsoka for example was in that time slot you had that strike and i'm sure given that the numbers weren't phenomenal they would probably like to have gone back and gone you know we're going to put a pause on that we're going to wait till the strike's over till we release ahsoka because you can get all the actors out you know all the all the uh i think it was natasha uh, Leo Badizo, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Rosario Dawson were all supposed to come to London for a round table. Uh, and a day mm. later it was cancelled, heartbreakingly. So um, mm. especially for me, because I'd already booked my train ticket. So there you go. Couldn't get that money back. But there you go. So, oh. so 
that you know they never got out to promote that and again on marvel you know the marvels they couldn't get out and promote that film you imagine those three on all the chat shows bouncing off each other people would have been like i want to see this and it would have been mm. the same with the soaker i think it would have gathered more viewers so obviously that's affected them and it's affected everybody but i think with the acolyte it sounds like they've got quite a busy buzzing young sort of um team of actors who'll be great on the chat show circuit and get out and push it so my gut i don't I honestly like i say i don't know but my gut tells me they'll probably wait until later in the year you know i think you're more likely to see skeleton crew which feels like a one season and done thing because it was shot god what 18 months ago you know the kids in that were eight are like growing beards and drinking beer now so you know they're not going to do a season two with those kids so that that kind of comes out as its own thing maybe earlier in the year and then acolyte is a big deal later in the year i don't know it's just supposition it's just my gut feeling on those yeah i think that's that's fair enough i mean we'd like to ask you your thoughts on the series ahsoka um in a bit but just one last thought for me in terms of this the new stuff i mean Daisy Ridley has come out and um, okay, it's all kind of superficial things that she said, but I was a little bit confused with the quote because she was saying, she was sort of saying this one film that she knows about, like, is she talking about her film, but she hasn't read the script for it yet? Or is she talking about the plot of one of the other upcoming movies kind of chucked into the the mix while she's talking to people? Because it didn't really seem that clear. I mean, I think when, I don't know if you remember about, Oh, six or seven months ago, she was seen at the Presidio. So everybody knew she was at the Presidio and she kind of said, oh, yeah, I just dropped in for a coffee and just kind of played it off as I was in the area sort of thing. And it's pretty clear now, a bit like when George was sending Lucasfilm at Celebration 6 and he got them all to go for that meal on the Saturday afternoon and get and tells oh, yeah. Mark and Carrie and Ian McDiarmid, hey, you know, I'm selling the company and I'm doing a new film and I want you all you guys involved sort of thing, that... that there was more to that turning up at the Presidio than just passing by for a, you know, grabbing a coffee at Starbucks sort of thing. So I think she, well, clearly she knows more about the plot because she said, wow, it's really interesting. Um, it wasn't what I expected. And I suppose mm. you could hypothesize a straight down the line, you know, Ray follow on film. Yeah. It's 15 years later and Grogu's her assistant and, you know, and, it's a new Jedi Academy that works like Luke's didn't because, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. And then a darkness arises from outside the galaxy and here we go because, you know, Filoni's mm-hmm. introducing other galaxies now so you can pull threats in from there. So, or, or she's just trying to quickly fudge off any anybody on every chat show from now until the film comes out in probably four years' time going, so what's happening in your new Star Wars film, Daisy? So I think she kind of got caught between two stalls there. Um, I mean, clearly there there must be some sort of, I, I mean, back of a fag packet sort of loose plot thing, like George would have noodled down on his old, you know, lawyer's notepad with the yellow paper and all that. So there's probably some sketched out <laughs> stuff there. But uh, I wouldn't imagine at this point there's a there's much more than, you know, Act One, Act Two, Act Three sort of stuff. But uh, I'd be happy to I'd be happy to be wrong. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's yeah, yeah. Me too, me too. I mean, do either one of you two know who leaked the trailer for Andor two? No, I don't know. <clears throat> no, the, no. The... I was I wasn't in the room for that. I was upstairs doing the podcast stage. So when that uh, no. when that popped up the other day, it was like, oh, 
I was, oh, mm. quite, not that I condone such, uh, you know, rascal behaviour, but I was quite pleased to see. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was. It really was. Did they um, did they give you an inclination that they were going to be showing something like, something like that, Mark, or were you completely unaware and you just came downstairs after you'd done your work and went? They showed what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's usually what happens. Like the there was yeah. the acolyte stuff as well, wasn't there? And I, I wasn't in the room for that. I was like, oh. Bugger. I would have loved to have seen that. <laughs> You're doing it all wrong, mate. You're doing it all I wrong. I know. I know. <laughs> On the podcast stage. <laughs> oh, God, dear me. Um, okay, so what did you? What were your thoughts as a fan of Ahsoka then, mate? What, what did you make of the series and how it ended and where it might go? The series I really enjoyed. The ending of the series feels like a very separate conversation. But for the, for the series okay. itself, I thought it was great. I thought they introduced the Rebels characters really nicely because, it you know, it, they didn't say it was Rebels Season 5 because if they had have done, that it overtly tells you, hey, you need to watch Rebels Season 1 to 4. And one thing I think they didn't do as well as, again, I hate to keep mentioning Marvel, but Marvel always primed the viewers of, here's a little recap of what you need to know before you watch Season 1 of Hawkeye and they kind of get you up to speed. Star Wars hasn't done that so well which I find very odd because all the information, all the stuff is there and they could do it. So I think you did need to have seen Rebels before you watched Ahsoka, even though they kind of made out like you didn't and that the exposition was enough, which it wasn't. And we talked about it on Making Tracks, how, you know, if, you know when you're watching a film normally and there's exposition about stuff and you kind of know the, you know, it's, it's the Austin Powers thing, isn't it? It's the Basil exposition. It's that sort of, you know, when somebody's filling in the story for you, that if you were reading it in a book, it'd be two pages of the the narrator telling you what was going on. But when you're watching mm. Star Wars and you kind of go, what, what what's this? Oh, it happened in season two of a so uh, season two of Clone Wars, or it happened in season three of Bad Batch, or oh, it was in this book by Timothy Zahn. You kind of feel like you've <laughs> you've not done your homework, you know. You walk out the cinema yeah. going like I've I've kind of messed up here, and I think that's that's can be an issue because on one hand we want this consistent canon where everything folds over and overlaps, which is great for us, you know, guys like us who do podcasts and websites, and you know that sort of two percent of people who who will nerd out and if you're not reading it, you know where to find the information. The other ninety eight percent. Well, one, they're not as invested, so it doesn't matter as much. But two, they don't know where to look. They've got no clue. So it, there's an issue there. I thought Ahsoka did it well in the sense that it felt like they introduced Hera nicely and Ahsoka nicely and Sabine very much felt like, even though we've known her for you know four seasons of Rebels and all the other stuff, she came into it, I think, out of all the characters, she could have been completely new. She felt introduced, I thought, you know, even the bit at the beginning when she doesn't turn up for the that little ceremony on Lothal, you know, it felt like it was done nicely. So I thought that was very good. The visuals were phenomenal. And I thought the music by Kevin Kiner was gorgeous. So all of those yeah. aspects of it were really good. And and Filoni did a good job, not just him, there's other directors, but but as a as a production, it felt very cinematic, you know, even down to the editing, you know, the the scene yeah. on Corellia when when Ahsoka's fighting the the HK droid and Maroc, and then you cut to Hera and Chopper in the you know in the Phantom Two sort of chasing after the hyperdrive engine and just the way they were editing between the two and the music it felt like a movie and that's a problem I find with television a lot it's like yeah that's that's t it looks phenomenal they could throw it up on the big screen but it's like yeah that's TV it's edited like a TV show it's spotted like a TV mm. show this was spotted mm. like a movie so I, I really appreciated that so all of that was great. 
and, and clearly the, the stuff with Hayden was fantastic. <laughs> but the finale was, I was, I think I tweeted, I said, I wasn't overwhelmed and I wasn't underwhelmed. I was just whelmed. You know, it just left me a little bit cold. It's like, well, here's the, the start of the show. The good guys are here and the bad guys are here. And by the end, you've just flip-flopped and put them <laughs> opposite places, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and it just, it didn't, you know, at least with Andor season one, you knew with that, that sort of Death Star out bit, which was awesome, yeah. that you knew we were getting a season two. With Ahsoka, we don't know whether we're going to get Ahsoka season two. I think we may do from things that Filoni said this week, but when, I don't know. So, but when when it was on, you didn't know if there was an Ahsoka season two. Are they going to do what they did at the end of Mando season two and in the book of Boba Fett? Wrap up the that phenomenal, you know, season two Mando scene with with you know Grogu and Luke going off and leaving Mando kind of distraught, and then wrap it up in Book of Boba Fett. And they're going to do, you know, we've got two episodes of Ahsoka coming 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 up in Skeleton Grovery. I don't know, yeah, so, exactly, or whether they'll just save it all for the film. So so that was the, the film, bit that yeah. I was a bit, and that's that that's like an out of story issue. You know, the story is what it is. They got. You know, they got kind of caught out now. Sabine and Ahsoka are in this other satellite. I think Filoni sort of saying it's not one of the satellite galaxies, which you, which gets mentioned in Attack of the Clones, seems to be what they're sort of hinting at rather than a completely separate galaxy, um, which is kind of cool, actually. I like that that concept. But um, I wasn't so keen on a completely different galaxy. That didn't really do it for me. But, but a, a satellite galaxy kind of works. So, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it immensely. I really did, but... Um, yeah, the finale was it, it did leave me a little bit like, oh, that's oh, it's not, it's done the Marvel thing where it, it kind of spends half the film setting up the seat, you know, the next film rather than just being its own thing. And I kind of wish this had just yeah. been its own thing, like Kenobi was its own thing. If they never do anything yeah. else with Kenobi, it's like, yeah, I'm happy with that. I enjoyed Kenobi, you know, it was his own thing. Book of Boba felt like they were setting up another season at the end when he's like, I don't think this is for me, you know, and and you think, well, maybe we're going to get a bit of the old Boba Fett back, which is clearly what Tamura wants to do. With this, it was just a little bit, I, I don't know. So I can't, I, I love, I, I don't like grumbling too much because I love, I love it when they come from left field or they announce something and it's like, ah, we're going to get the answer to that. That's really cool. So I'd rather be excited for what we're going to get rather than grumble about what we may or may not get. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't light me up the, the final episode at all. Yeah, just it for me, it just did that thing of like what a lot of current TV shows over the past sort of decade seems to do, where it's like they just they just run out of time and they're like, oh no, we've got one episode left and we've got to try and tie up some of the storylines and also but leave it open so we can't really do too much with the characters, you know? Yeah. And it's just badly plotted, really, in that sense. If and you're right, because it's happened with other stuff. It it kind of it didn't, but it kind of felt like it happened with Game of Thrones. And and that was a victim of its own success because it built this phenomenal, and that was all from the books, but, you know, got this phenomenal cast of characters and so many of them were introduced in the show. And you get to the last season, it's like, we've got to give these all some sort of resolution. And it was a lot to wrap up, you know. Star Trek did it with Voyager. You know, you, you, you're thinking, you look back at Voyager, you think, why didn't they get home halfway through season seven and give us a couple of three episodes back on Earth when they're settling back in? I watched it the, the end of it the other day. You know, and they rock up about five minutes of the of seven years of shows to go, and they rock up back over Earth, and the final shot as the credits are rolling is Voyager flying back to Earth. It's like, oh god, no! You had so many episodes, you could have done this and really given <laughs> us a satisfying ending. 
other shows yeah. like Deep Space Nine get it right. So Buffy got it right. You know, it can be done. But like you say, sometimes it does feel like they get to that. They go, how many episodes we've got in this season? Eight. Oh, crap. We've got one episode oh, left. Shit. What are we going to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, well, quick, wrap it up, wrap it up. Bring Darth Vader in. Everybody loves Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose the fact that they've got like films like coming up on the horizon, et cetera, is for them to be sitting there thinking, well, we'll deal with that like at a certain point in the future. But we're left sitting there going, that was amazing, but I want to know what happens. Like, I want another episode next week, yeah. or I want the film to be coming out next summer, you know, so that we can get the punch of it, you know? It's good to leave them wanting yeah. more. That's always good, isn't it? But yeah, and with course, the Mando yeah, stuff, but... like, if it was, let's say, if it was Andor, we know Andor sort of folds into Rogue One, which folds into A New Hope, and it's, you know, it's running off the back of the prequel trilogy, and we kind of know where it sits. But also, yeah. Andor is the, I mean... I don't know how Hasbro managed to get any toys out from Andor because it is lots of serious people walking around in brazen brown. So that, you know, it's not <laughs> yeah. toyetic at all. But that being said, it's in an era that's the era that we grew up with as kids, the original trilogy. We're not that far ahead of it or or mm. behind it rather. So, uh, so yeah. you know, it's that sort of time period. But you know that if they want to with Andor, there's nobody going, you can't write books and comics about this. Whereas with the Mandoverse mm. stuff, clearly Filoni and Favreau have got such a lid on it. It's like, no, we don't want spin-off comics. You can do adaptations. We don't want spin-off novels. Leave that alone. You know you'll get it when the series is over or they wrap up this particular portion of the storyline. They'll go back and tell some cool pre-season one Mando stories of how he got his name back in the day. That'll be awesome, but at the moment it's not going to happen. So they haven't even got the option to do that. So you're right; it's you kind of it's great leaving us all wanting more, but we're the weirdest fandom. We're never satisfied. You know, just that, just that, this phenomenal season of Ahsoka, and I'm grumbling about the end of it when I sat there for seven weeks and and half of the episode going, "This is freaking awesome!" You know, and get to the mm. end, it's like, oh. So you know, we're we're a funny fandom. Yeah, there's there was a lot of there's a lot of what I call still time in some of the episodes where there was a lot of chatting in cockpits, etc., which is great because you get a lot of characterization. But then you think if you just chop those down by three or four minutes, so you could have probably had nine episodes maybe, and then we could have got a bit of Thrawn going back to Coruscant or announcing himself to to the caval- uh, to the concave of uh, Imperial remnants and stuff. And, yeah. Um, you know obviously yeah like you could have got a bit of Hera and Ezra reconnecting and them talking to Mon Mothma and that sort of thing you know just to to really set it up but I mean what we did get was was great but yeah the ending just kind of went a bit I'll get get you but um, just one more question on on Ahsoka Paolo I'll come to you first on this one obviously we're going to touch on Ray Stevenson um, you know God rest his soul obviously such such a shame the reception he got at celebration in London this year, etc. I mean, it would have only built from there, really. But uh, what what would you like to see for the future of of Balin as a character? Well, me, I think. <clears throat> well, I think the way they left it was some, is amazing. I think like where he can go with it, but obviously, I don't I don't know where they're going to go. They it they could go sort of find him in some sort of kind of like uh, animation as 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 he was in the Jedi order, which would be quite interesting, that sort of story. I think that's probably because he, he was so great in that, in that series. And he's obviously left, well, he had started to leave the, the Jedi order for whatever reason, but, you know, and, and I think that period and where he's, and where he disappeared to as well during the, the classic trilogy, you know, I think there's definitely, they might do an animation or they might do something like that with it, I think, but yeah, it'd be great to see him again. 
but obviously, you know, with him leaving us, then it's quite difficult to see him in a pop up in a film. Would you, because like from my personal point of view, I wouldn't mind so much if they did recast the role with someone that kind of looked like him or brought the same gravitas, because I think the character has earned the right to, to continue if there wasn't a Soka 2, yeah. or maybe, maybe into the film, for example. Um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily want them to do a, a deep fake or even just cut the character out completely because I think yeah, it's opportunity, tricky. you know. The way just the just the ending, the way and where he was, you know, mm. if he just was walking about, it might be a bit different, but you know, it, it's clearly he was on his own mission, he knew exactly what he was doing. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see. But it'd be interesting also whether it was the character, whether it was him bring what yeah, the actor as well, you know what I mean? Like, because he was he played so well, and obviously a few sort of you know good line one liners in there, and some really good character as well. So yeah, I, I don't know, I'm kind of a little bit. That's why I thought, oh, maybe they just sort of see his backstory a little bit. Yeah, Mark, what do you, what do you think? It's a tricky one. I think with he did such a good job. You you both nailed it, really. He did such a good job with the character that weirdly, I think. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mentioned Gina Grano his, as a completely separate kind of point in that I think it would be trickier to recast Cara Dune with her still around, Yeah, which is a shame because Cara Dune as a character with the background she's got is a really interesting character that had loads of legs mm. as, as you know, from a storyline point of view, but they can't really go there because of you know various reasons. Whereas with what mm. Ray did, which would like you say was so good and the reception at Celebration was brilliant. And you imagine how it would have been through the summer. We've got LA Comic Con next week and all the Ahsoka cast pretty much are there and he would have been there. You just know it. And those mm. girls loved him and the crew loved him. And yeah, Ray Stevenson, we knew who the guy was. He wasn't an unknown, but it felt like this was the role that was really going to make him. This was going to be his big thing you know he'd always been in ensemble stuff and yeah, he was a punisher for a while but you know he was this was the one so it's it's heartbreaking that he never got to really enjoy any of it uh and that the only time that whole ahsoka crew and cast will ever be together on stage was at celebration for that panel just crazy but i think yeah i agree i think the character was so good if they recast him respectfully i mean there's certain elements you kind of he's a big bugger so you need a big guy uh, he doesn't necessarily need to be British, even though Ray was. But if it's just like you say, got the gravitas, got the feel, you know, there's things you can do to make it work and feel like, yep, this is the same character and it's all it's all understood. We're not silly. And you look back mm. to when Carrie passed away and it's like, how could you recast Princess Leia for the final mm. film in that scenario? So Lucasfilm and especially ILM and Billy Lord did a fantastic job with you know everybody else to make that work as best as they could make it work. And I think it was respectfully done. Mm. I think everyone should be grateful for that. Um, they didn't even go there with Black Panther 2 because of Chadwick. Mm. It was just too raw mm. and a hoping time they do. Uh, do something with the character but for this one I think yeah because th like you say where you left him at the end of that episode where he was you know by those sort of mortis statues and just this, this like oh wow and it's Filoni so you know he's got big stuff planned there's deep stuff yeah. planned that character's not just roaming around looking for whatever no, exactly <laughs> exactly you know it, it's, a, it's, it's something key and also with with Shin you know they've had kind of a fairly mellow parting of the ways without sort of coming to blows over it. 
you know, it's not a master and apprentice scenario like a normal Jedi thing, but it's also not a master and apprentice rule of two thing like the Sith. So they've kind mm. of they're kind of diverging, kind sort of passively, if you like, at this point. Um, that's going to be fascinating if they ever re- return to that. And and for the actors, it's going to be very difficult doing that with him not there. But I think, as again, I keep repeating myself. I think the character, like you said, is so good that most fans with any logical heart would go, yeah, go for it. Give, give that character what it deserves. Because if they get the character right and, the, and whoever comes into the role does it well, and you probably imagine that it would be season two for that character and that would be it, and maybe not around anymore after that, like Paul El- Morgan Elspeth ain't going to be around for season two of Ahsoka if they do it. That the, the character goes and you give the resolution and it's all to the credit of Ray Stevenson for setting up the character so well. So, you know, I hope mm. everybody can, personally, I'd love to see them make that happen. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think I agree on that. Um, see, a point in case to, to what we've been talking about um, just before, like with Shin, it was a lovely way for her to bow out. Like, you know, she's come over the crest of the hill, she raises her lightsaber and all those natives are like, uh, we've got a new chief now because yeah. we better not better not tick her off. But it also felt a bit kind of like them going, right, we need something to end with Shin here because we know in the future she's going to do X and Y. But for us, it was just like, oh, she's just on that planet, left behind on that planet and she's going to go and make some new mates. Yeah. You know, it just felt a little bit like, oh, want to know more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and because we because we don't know, we're not daft. We know there'll be something, but we don't know what. And we mm. we generally a fairly well informed fandom, as a rule. You know, speaking to you guys, speaking to other people, speaking to the Fanta guys, speaking to friends here, there, and everywhere. Between us all as a collective, we kind of know a lot of what's going on. It's one of the instances where, well, we don't in this instance. Mm. You know, and and. She especially, I mean, I thought she was so good. The two of them together were mm. brilliant. And and it's weird that mm. characters like Hera, Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra, who we've known for, you know, the Rebels characters for nearly 10 years, Ahsoka for 15 years, even longer, that um, the, the new characters coming in were arguably more interesting. And I know we always like new new things, it's just like you say, she was so damn good. She was like a female Darth Maul to me. That's how she felt. Mm. You know, she had that intensity you know, when she stares people out. When she was looking at Sabine mm. and they had that first fight, and I thought, Phew. yeah, you know, when she nailed it, I mean, she kind of <clears throat> run her to the side rather than straight through the middle. But you know, it was enough to take her down. Clearly, I thought, oh dear, she's this could be Sabine going. This could be a big plot twist if she goes out <laughs> this early. I kind of thought maybe that was going to happen. So there was plenty of twists yeah, I did and turns. As well. So great yeah. character. So yeah, you want to. You would like to think there's some interesting stuff for her ahead. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there will. But I think she'll. She'll if she is involved in like a series two or a major part of the film. I hope it isn't just as like a a sort of an obstacle for them to get off of uh, Peridia to get back to uh, you know we call it our galaxy, the one that we we all know. Um, I hope she has a bit more of a sort of a vested role and goes off on her own, maybe her own little adventure at some point as well. I, I thought she might have teamed up with Ahsoka and Sabine. And when she made that over the crest of the hill, I thought she was going to go and seek them out um, because obviously she's kind of on her own now, but uh, she's still got that little bit of anger inside her, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. Um... Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, cool. Well, Mark, I'm a little bit disappointed because uh, we've got a, a a show coming up very near me. Um 
at the start of December, the Croydon uh, smugglers event yes. with lots of uh, signers, etc. And you said you're not going to be there. I'm gutted. It's rotten. I, I've been to a couple of their shows and they're so good. It's a nice drive. It's a good long drive. It's a nice drive. Always have a good time. Always get good content for Fantha and meet interesting people and have a really you know, a good afternoon or a good day. And this year they've put it on the same weekend as far this from, which is a show I've been going to for sort of 10, well, it's the 25th running. I think I've missed two. So it's down on the South coast near Bournemouth. I'm North of Birmingham. So it's a bit of a trudge, um, but I kind of help organize it and help with, you know, various aspects of it. So um, I, I'd agreed to do, to do that show a long, a long time ago. Uh, it's a coin phrase. So um, <laughs> so it's just one of those things when the two things have clashed. We've got it coming up. We're going to have it next year. There's there's multiple things happening on May the 4th and, you know, all the shows that are hit, that sort of happening then. And we try and get around. I used to, back in the day when they used to do this, the uh, UKG used to go down to Lego at Windsor when they had the Star Wars zone there. And I always remember the one year doing Lego on the Saturday and driving up to Burnley on the Sunday to do uh, Star Wars Fan Fun Day. And that was that was a lot. Well, I ain't doing that again. Uh, not not just because they don't do the Lego <laughs> event at uh, Legoland anymore, but um, yeah, you can't you can't do them all. But I'm kind of gutted because there's some really good, really good guests on at Croydon, and a few few of them are final appearances as well. Well, I was going to mention that actually. Yeah, they they announced over the last couple of weeks. Well, I think um, Alliance Agents announced that Robert Watts is going to make his final convention appearance at that weekend, which is the 9th and the tenth of December. For anyone that's interested, Croydon in Surrey. Um, yeah, so he's, he's going to be bowing out, which at, at his age is fair enough. I mean, he's done more than enough. But uh, also Michael Culver has, has said that this is going to be his last um, live appearance as well. That's Captain Nida to any of you out there that, uh, that are interested in that. But uh, yeah, what, what do you think about those two guys making those announcements? Uh, for the reasons you just said, I think it makes all the sense. I mean, Robert's been in and around for so many years. Uh, and he's such a ball of energy. I mean, obviously, age catches up with us all. Um, and he uh, was at the Indie Premier, which was brilliant. The first time I interviewed him was when Crystal Skull came out and he didn't get invited to the Premier, which he was a bit annoyed about oh. because he was a producer on the first three. So um, it was really nice that Julian from Alliance Agents surprised him, basically didn't tell him till the morning that we're going somewhere today. We're going to the Indie Premier. And there's that lovely picture of Robert Watson, Harrison Ford having a little moment, which was really cool. We sort of saw that from a distance, which was lovely. So that was right. great. So it's been a great year for him. But you know, he don't he don't need to he don't need to prove anything. He's you know, if you've wanted his autograph, he's been out there for years and years and years. And it's the same for Michael Culver. Uh, I got him at the last one, the the, the Croydon last year, uh, and man, that was hilarious. I've got to say, I, he's one of those guys. I'd, I'd been in press conferences with him, so we'd got kind of got audio with him on the show, but I'd never done a one-on-one with him. So I thought, well, it was like a lot of them cracking on a bit. So I thought, I better pull my finger out because I've been in this scenario before where I've not got an interview and it's been to my, you know, my mistake um, more than once. And uh, sat down with him, and he got a book, like a novel, like a. I, I want to say Mills and Boone. I don't think it was Mills and Boone. Uh, it's probably a Jack, <laughs> probably a Jack Reacher novel or something like that. And he was reading this book, and he, he he agreed to speak to me. He didn't know who I was. Why would he? But he clearly didn't really want to be bothered. So I started to ask, as you do, you crack off with the, you know the opening gambit, you know your opening questions, just to get the ball rolling. And then start working up to something a little bit more involved. 
Uh, so it's the, oh, you enjoy the weekend and the la la, tell us a bit about this, that and the other. And his very short answers were very much in the vein of, it was 40 years ago, it was one week's work. I turned up, I said my lines, they paid me, I went home. There's nothing more to say. He he wanted to get back to his book. It was hilarious. So I was, by this point, starting to smirk a little bit. And not in a, hopefully not in a smug, smarmy way, just like I just thought it was kind of funny that he's basically telling me to bugger off. I want to read my book. Um, yeah. And I think he cottoned on that I was not being too much of a dick about it. And we ended up having like a five or six minute interview, which is on making tracks. And at the end, he was kind of, I got a smile out of him. So I thought, well, that's that's a win. I'll take that. I got a smile out of him and a yeah. sort of six minutes of chat. So when they announced that he was retiring, one for my personal thing, I was glad I spoke to him. But two, again, it was like, yeah, man, you've been you've been doing conventions for 30 years. You've been at all the shows. You've been at Celebration. You, you know, I think he was on that Mint Imperials panel at Celebration Europe 1. You know, he's been in and around it for all this time. So, yeah, why not? Enjoy Saturday afternoons, read your book. You know, he's earned it. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, – like, actually, to be fair, this is the – I've been collecting for 20 years, roughly, and I've never got him. Right. Um like in person. So I'm uber excited to, to finally catch him. Um, I got him through the mail a couple of times um, about five, six years ago, something like that, but I've never actually met him, but now I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll take him a book or something. That's it. Take um, him a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See if I can win him over. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also as well, I don't know if you know, well, you, I mean, of course you do. You're you're like the Oracle compared to me and Paolo, but they announced um, Dennis Lawson's going to be there as well now. Yeah. That's a that's a heck of a guest. That's what a oh, guest, yeah. what a great guest because Dennis didn't do shows for years and years. He turned up at LFCC about ten years ago, and it was rare as rocking horse, you know what. And so everyone was mega surprised. Then he did Wales Comic Con two or three years ago, and now, as you say, he's doing Smugglers. I think he's got an event next year. I can't think where it is now. I posted it on the site the other day, but he's starting to get out there a little bit more. I think again, I think he's with Alliance. And Julian's very good, and the team Leanne, they're very good at getting people, you know, out there and, and to events here and uh, and around the place. So uh, yeah, why not? Like I say, I mean, again at Wales, I had, a, I think I chatted to him for five minutes, and it was, you know, I want to get him for Insider. I've been chasing him forever for Insider. We've never quite made it happen, so I'm got, I need to pull my finger out and get back on that. But because what a story he's got, you know, his involvement with Star Wars yeah. going right back to the original. But uh, he was lovely. He was charming, did a sting for the podcast. Couldn't have been nicer. So um, I'm, mm. I'm pleased he seems to be enjoying, you know, there's worse ways to earn a few hundred quid than sitting and chatting to people who want to meet you and tell you how cool you are. Yeah. You know, so he's, yeah. you know, he's doing oh. the right thing. Paolo, he does stings for podcasts. You know what I'm yeah. thinking? That's it. <clears throat> Tap him up. That's it. Yeah. Just ask, ask him nicely. Uh, I will, of course. Oi, Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to meet him as well because he's another one, like you say, like because it was really weird when I first got into the collecting, not to go off on too much of a tangent, but like I used to talk to people in America and they'd be like, Oh, Dennis Lawson's gonna be at this like random event in like, I don't know, Nashville or something. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, you guys are so lucky. Like, I've never met him. And they're like, Where are you from? And I say the UK, and they're like, what, what he's over there all the time he does events all the time and i'm like i've never met i've never met him i've never seen him on a bill and like you know you've just confirmed that for me yeah. so i'm uber excited to meet him too yeah we're very lucky um, here though because in the states like you say they get all these you know mega 
shows, mega events. And now, of course, with all the Mando, you know, Soka and all that stuff being made over there, there's a lot more actors who've come into those shows that do shows over there and your voice casts or your Rebels cast and stuff. You know, Vanessa Marshall's still never been over to the UK for a show. Crazy, you know, and there's people like that. So the Americans now are lucky in that sense. We're lucky in that uh, with over here, we had all the original trilogy and a lot of the prequel guys. But of course now your original trilogy actors are all, bless them, in their 70s and 80s and, and you know, ain't getting any younger. And as we just said, you know, retiring from the from the convention circuit or even just in the last six or seven years, think who's who's left us, you know, Jeremy and Kenny and Peter and Carrie and all these people that are just not around anymore. So we've gone from you could go you could look at a convention map of the UK over the you know okay there's not shows in 52 weeks of the year let's say there's 40 weeks of the year when there's shows on and most places in the UK somewhere there'll be somebody from Star Wars Empire or Jedi appearing at a show that you can go and grab a scribble from uh whereas that yeah. never happened in the states but it's kind of switching now where they're going to have more guests because a lot of the shows are made in the states and our mm. guests are getting older and, you know, it's not quite the same. So we'll cope, but uh, it's just the cyclical nature, I think. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for for the Smugglers event in Croydon because now that they've got um, Dennis Lawson there as well, they've also got Jack Claff, yes. uh, Ang- Angus, uh, Angus McInnes and, and um, Garrick Hagen. Yeah. So it means I can start a... Uh, X-Wing multi-sign picture, which is always exciting. That's a great bunch of people to have there. So have all those X-Wing guys. And they just need David Ancrum to come over because he was the voice of Wedge. So get get David over. That would be fun. Um, well, he's 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 actually going to be doing an event in um, Essex, I think it is, next year. Oh, really? Um, yeah, sort of spring next year, I think. Um, Hawkinage. Oh, Haw- I think yeah, it's run yeah, by yeah. the same April, people. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he's been announced as a guest. Oh, wow. So if you want to, well, yeah, well, thanks for the tip. I need to get that on Fanta. That's all right. <laughs> Only on Coherence Blue. Don't worry about that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I've already got David on on an eight by ten, which I need Dennis on. Actually, I'm going to be completing so many multi pieces at this event. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Part of the fun, though, isn't it? <laughs> Getting it completed. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, cool. Well, we've kept you for quite a long time. There was one thing. I wanted to ask you about, but Paolo, have you got any other Star Wars related bits you think Mark could chip on? No, I was just, I was just interested to, when we were just speaking about Ahsoka, the sort of flashback scenes really. And so obviously we were, we loved them. And obviously we saw a little bit of that in Mando as well. Yeah. And whether they're going to keep, keep doing that, you know, I, I think Twitter sort of exploded when we saw, you know, that happened in Mando. And then obviously the same seeing a bit of the Clone Wars. I mean, it was just amazing. Just sort of like, yeah, what you thought about all that, that was probably my only sort of burning question, really. I, I love when they do it right. And mostly they have. I thought it was cleverly done in Book of Boba Fett because you got him in the whole back to tank and he was kind of dreaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, Bobby, yeah. Bobby Ewing in the shower thing. So I liked all <laughs> of that. Uh, but, and it's a tool, it's a useful device but I think in this season of Ahsoka, not only are they fortunate in that Hayden don't really look that different to how he did when he made episode yeah. three, uh, which is like pushing 20 years ago, and a little bit of ILM smoothing out a few of the old crow's feet and stuff, because, you know, you, you get yeah. when you get to 40s. He didn't really look that different. So that was cool. That was really well done. And getting Ariana Greenblatt, who's just so good as that young Ahsoka. So I came away yeah. from those sequences thinking... One, it was a really interesting episode. 
you know, put in the world between worlds and that as a as a plot device almost. And it felt like mm-hmm. a real moment for Ahsoka because visibly, noticeably, it was like a weight had been lifted off her shoulders going forward for the rest of the season. She yeah, The smile was quicker to come and she felt a little bit more lighter on her feet, whereas it felt like she was really weighed down. So as a character, she needed those those realisations and moments. So I thought that was great. But with Ariana coming in and doing such a good job, I was like, can we just have one, you know, like we had season seven of the Clone Wars after like five years or however long it was. Can we have a live action season eight or, so, or yeah. something? You know, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be because that wrapped up, that went past Re- uh, Revenge of the Sith. But, you know, if we could go back and just mm. drop into some moments and just have some live action stuff and, you know, I'm, I don't know how they'd do it because you kind of, you'd kind of need Ewan and you'd kind of need other stuff. But, you know, Anthony still gets in the suit. I interviewed Anthony Daniels a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, he was still, he was in that suit doing that scene in Ahsoka and absolutely loved it, you know, and had a great time. Mm. And even though he says, I don't know when I'm coming back, he always says it with a smile on his face because he's he's had more (laughs) retirements than Sinatra, so he knows he's coming back. Um, So they've got the scope to do it, and and you think, well, Filoni would absolutely love it, and I'm sure... Yeah, you know, wherever he is watching this stuff, Lucas, who you know still clearly watches everything and and takes notes on stuff. James Mangold was saying, you know, how he was looking through the scripts for Dial of Destiny and making notes and giving observations, and you know he wasn't uber involved like he would have been, but he's still giving valuable, you know, opinions and you know, yeah. minds like him and Spielberg. You don't you don't turn that knowledge away, so. Um, yeah, I thought the flashbacks, going back to your question, you say you ramble, I ramble, you know, really was valuable and, and useful. And I hope they continue doing it because it, you know, like I say, it just gives you that, just opens the door to another time. And it's it's really well done because it was beautifully done. You know, when you had Ahmed Best in Mando, it was just stuff like that it was just fantastic. Yeah. Great sequence. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Can, can I just add that I think it's really sweet that Anakin left Ahsoka those tapes. Yes. Like with the training yeah. sessions and the the advice, etc. Just like you know, because if we didn't see this in in the series of Soka, we'd not know any of that had happened. And it's just like just another kind part of his personality that he left behind, you know. And also, I I watch a bit of EastEnders because Ruth likes her soaps, and the character. Hey, character- Ruth, Ruth's a cracking lady, mate. Really I'm, I'm all over Walford. Don't worry about oh, that. Oh, there, well, there you go. Well, you know, Lola that's passed away in EastEnders and left all the tapes for her daughter, and I thought they've just ripped off Ahsoka. Just, just shameless. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and no, she's not even dead though, because she's changed her name to Danielle Harold, and she's living in the Australian jungle now. And she's really entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Jay. Does anyone told Jay? Does he know? I mean, <laughs> I think Jay's okay. I think he found a replacement, didn't he? <laughs> oh, that, mate, we can't go down that rabbit hole. We can't. All right, we'll save that for the East Enders podcast. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Um, oh, by the way, just um, Mark, just going on the, um, just going back to the autograph sure. tangent really quickly. Um, there's a group over in America called Imperial Walker Inc. Yeah. Um, and they've got a signing with Leslie Dilly coming up early next year. Oh, wow. Is that a name that rings a bell with you? Yeah, blimey. Yeah. One of the, what did he work on now? It was, Les Dilly worked on, I think he worked on, did he work on Empire? He worked on A New Hope and Empire. Yeah. 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 Um, some call him the father of R five. He was uh, he had quite a hand in in creating R five apparently, yeah. and also but like he was like a production. Him and Norman Reynolds yeah. were like the production managers basically, so he was involved in basically a lot. <laughs> I was going to say being mm. being involved in R five at the moment with with him 
rocking up now being at some Pelly Mottos, <laughs> you know, in the docking bay. It's kind of yeah. perfect. It was so cool seeing R5 come back. Um, yeah, let's dilly blimey. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I had to think about to uh, think about where I remember the name from, but yeah, blimey. Yeah, that's a good guest to get out. Yeah, it really is. I mean, they, they focus on the behind the scenes, the ILM and the Lucasfilm side of the of the franchise. And um, yeah, they, they got Marsha Lucas last year to, or this year, so earlier this year, sorry. Um, and now they've got Leslie Dilly and they just, they just do, you know, they do tip it and yeah. Murin and Bert and all that lot. But yeah, it's such a, a great group. But if you are into your, your autographs or, or even just movie history and you want a piece of Leslie Dilly, it's Imperial Walker Inc. over on Facebook go and join the group and um, you'll get all the details there. But uh, Mark, I'm conscious that we've kept you for nearly the hour. There was one last question I had for oh. you. Yeah. It's quite a specific one. I hope, I hope you're ready, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you mentioned on online recently that you went to a star Wars quiz, which <laughs> me and Paolo are known to do <laughs> now and again. Yes. You know, we like a little a dabble on the quiz. Um, <clears throat> and you said that you won. So where was it and what happened? Okay. The skin so it was, it was run by Bonnier Books, who do the – they've just done the Ultimate Star Wars quiz book, uh, Quotes to Live Your Life by. Uh, they did the the Star Wars Mando, you know, the Mando and the Star Wars colouring books, the Wes Grogu little sort of Wes Wally type thing. So they do yeah. all these nice sort of gifting kind of books, if you like, sort of stuff you put in the, the Christmas stocking for your dad if you, if you knew he was a Star Wars fan. So, But they're really nice people, so they got in touch – uh, with with us and you know, I, they actually contacted the social media team to see if they were available to come down for this quiz, uh, which was just off Bloomsbury Square. And as it as it happened, you know, one was one guy lives up in Scotland, another one was at a gig, another guy couldn't make it down. So I dropped a line back and said, "Oh, I can I can make it. I'll come down." Squared it off with Ruth and uh, got the train down and asked a couple of the guys if they were available, and they weren't. So here we go, big name drop. So I'm friends with Brian Herring. So I says, Brian, we've been we haven't caught up forever. You'll see Brian next month because he's at he's at yeah. Tim Croydon. I says, are you, uh, are you free on Thursday? Do you fancy doing a Star Wars quiz? Thinking he'll go. I'm too busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that because it's like the week before Doctor Who arrives, and he's part of the team that works on the Meep. So I'm thinking he's got a busy week coming up because obviously that's a big deal. The Meep was a big deal. Uh, but to my surprise, oh yeah, I'd love to. I love quiz. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, where and when. So we met up, had a couple of beers, went to this quiz place, and there was four teams. It wasn't a big thing. It was fairly small, four teams of six. So there weren't many people, just a bit of sort of PR and a bit of fun, a few bottles of plunk and some cupcakes sort of thing. But the funniest thing was, the two funniest things, one, we won, which was funny. I thought funny. and uh, But the funniest thing was the Disney team came last, which just made me so happy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just tickled me pink. So it was really it was really fun, and then we went for a couple of sherbets with the um, with the uh, the Bonnier Books team afterwards, which was nice. So so it was it was really good. I mean, I've done a few quizzes over the years, um, and done pretty well. I mean, the best one was the Medicinema years ago. Did one down at uh, Park Royal, uh, and it, there was like one team was head, headed by Warwick Davis, and another team was headed by Jeremy Bullock, and another team by the guys from McFly. You know, it was all sorts of folks in this quiz. And I was on the same team as James. I used to do with Jedi News. So it was me, James, the editor of The Insider. Uh, and weirdly, we won, uh, which was very funny. So we got up on stage and got our awards from, I think it was Edith Bowman and Alex Zane. And the best bit, the funniest bit was as we left, we walked past Warwick 
who sort of glared at us, sort of half joking, glared at us. And we just, this isn't very good at podcasts. So I will tell you that we put the L up like on the forehead, just doing the loser <laughs> sign. And Martin Bayfield, the, the ex-England rugby player, who's a mate of Warwick's, who's about six foot 10. And I think it was one of the doubles for Hagrid told us to bleep off as we walked away. So it was, I thought that was a success. So it was very funny. That's fantastic. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Me and Paolo normally do pub quizzes on Star Wars and there's like Trevor from the Dog, dog and Duck and uh, <laughs> old Nelly hanging out downstairs having a martini, not even paying attention, that sort of you thing. You get 50 so, quid bar still... credit, you see. I, I came back with, with two of the toppers off the cupcakes made of rice paper that didn't last because they were too tasty and and a few books. So you, you've you've done better uh, than me, so. <laughs> yeah, got, got, yeah, got some. We did. We got a free beer, didn't we, Paolo? Yeah, we got a free beer. Listen, Mark, if you're ever stuck for people uh, for quizzes in London, a <laughs> couple of geezers that finish fourth, yeah? If you, can, if, you, if you need anyone. It's a numbers game. I always need bodies. It's a n- <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't. Like, they always have the tinfoil around and try and create a, a scene from Star Wars with tinfoil. And that's where I just fall down every time. You need always, Leslie Dilly like, to come and turn you into R5. That's what you need. That's we it, do, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Get Leslie guns. involved. <laughs> That bloody yeah. tin foil, honestly. Oh, what, it does what, this what every year. That? Locks all the signals out. <laughs> was there, I started was, practicing was, already. I can imagine, um, Mark. There wasn't any. Uh, was there any sort of like slip ups on questions or the answers or anything like that? Because we one of one of the answers at our quiz that we went to last time was Princess Amadala. Oh dear, work that one out. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. work that one out. The only one we <laughs> had that was contentious and it actually made sense when we thought about it was how many times has Din Jarin beat. Uh, revealed his face to other living creatures, and initially we were like three. He takes it off in, on, on, you know, at the end of season one when he's badly injured, and in yeah. season two when he's with Migs Mayfeld, and in at the end of season two when Grogu sees his face because he doesn't take his helmet off in season three because he wasn't there, and mm. uh, pretty much. Mm. And then we realised no, actually, IG Eleven was he's not a living thing, is he? He's a robot. So we thought we'd got a problem with the question. But actually, it was a better worded question than we gave it credit for. So thankfully, we put two instead of three, and both looking at each other, going, "If ever it's three, I'm gonna oh god, I'm gonna go nuts." And it wasn't; it was two. So we were okay. It was the only one, but it's yeah. Princess Amadala. I oh, I would cringe at that. That was a good. That was a cracker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I'm still confused by the by your question, to be honest with you. But I'll trust your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> More fool you. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you get the that's why you get the toppers of the cupcakes mate i shouldn't i shouldn't uh and the books yeah no you books. get bar credit i get rice paper toppers it's perfect yeah but um, we don't we don't go boozing out in brixton too often though that's the only problem no. well i've no, never no, been no, boozing in brixton so i'll have to come down <laughs> yeah, definitely, mate. yeah definitely. great stuff well uh, mark thank you uh, very much for joining us on this latest episode of code clearance blue you're always welcome back anytime it's always fascinating and, and fun to chat but uh yeah i hope you've enjoyed it mate and will you come back on again at some point of course i will absolutely love it always fun nice good brilliant good man thanks so Hello. much any other business anything going on no i think we covered it all well from what i've seen it's very good thanks did Mark. you ever, did you go to legoland when they had that star wars bit no no i didn't I, I did once and when i was with um with my daughter um and i basically dragged her in there kicking and screaming because she just did not want to go in there she was only like about seven at the time and she's got this real 
barrier up against Star Wars because I love it so much. I think yeah. she's like, you know, even at that age, they're just like, nah, don't, I'm not interested then. But like, it was really good because you walk around and they had like tableaus of like, you know, from the different episodes and stuff like the battle droids against the Gungans and all that sort mm. of stuff. And then when I went back there, must have been earlier this year, and I was going to take my my boy in there, my youngest, and they, it disappeared. Took it all Disney. Disney yeah. nicked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they needed the bricks, you see. It's this cost cutting yeah. stuff. Bob Iger said there's we'll bricks there. We need them back. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have that. <laughs> Nice fantastic one. well on that note thank you everyone for, for listening tuning in thanks again to mark paolo as ever been a pleasure absolutely thank you very much everybody and we will say may the force be with you as always starting our approach deactivate the security shield security deflective shield will be deactivated when we have confirmation of your code transmission stand by <laughs>